following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Throughout our Advent and Christmas seasons this year, beginning last Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, and continuing on through January 7th, in our worship together, we are considering the question, how does a weary world rejoice? Now that articulation of the question comes, of course, from the familiar uh, Christmas hymn, O Holy Night, a a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. But that question itself, how does a weary world rejoice? That wondering about how it is that we can possibly hold these two realities together, weariness and rejoicing, or, or pain and joy, that question is one that lives in us, that lives with us quite frankly, much of the time. Comfort, comfort my people, we hear God say through the prophet Isaiah this morning. Speak compassionately to Jerusalem, proclaim to her that her compulsory service, or more literally, her warfare, her battles, have ended. This year during Advent, perhaps especially this year, as we hear again those place names throughout this season in our familiar bits of scripture, the names of Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Judah and Zion and Nazareth and all the others, it is hard, hard not to think of the terrible violence, the very real battles and warfare that are happening in those places we name right now today. And indeed, we should think of that violence. We must think of that violence. We must be aware of, we must be attentive and responsive to all the places of pain and weariness in our own lives and in the lives and the world around us. And, and even as we do so, we also must not separate those hard realities from joy. We must not withhold the possibility of joy, even in a violent world. We must not consider joy or our call and commission to rejoice as somehow other than or apart from all that harm. For indeed, it is specifically into a harmed and a harming world. It is specifically into a weary world, a world filled with violence and fear that God comes to us in the child Jesus. A child born in an animal's feeding trough to vulnerable parents. A family who began their life together as refugees in Egypt because their lives are under threat. It is specifically amid pain and suffering and sorrow, amid deep weariness, not apart from it, that God's messengers proclaim good news of great joy for all the people. Rejoice is the first word God's messenger speaks to Mary in today's gospel. And it is God's word to us still, rejoice. Whatever else we might be carrying also, whatever else we're feeling or experiencing, not apart from our weariness or grief or doubts or questions, but in and accompanying all of them. And so during these weeks of preparation and then celebration, we are considering how to discover this joy, how to receive and welcome this joy, and how to share this joy. For this weary world certainly needs our joy, And our joy always is all the more joyful when it's being shared. 
And so that's our focus on this second Sunday of Advent specifically, finding joy in connection. Joy both connects us to other people and is born in our connections. Ross Gay, in a wonderful book of essays published last year, describes joy as, quote, an ember for or precursor to wild and unpredictable and transgressive and unboundaried solidarity. We might be surprised, in other words, by the people with whom joy connects us, where joy leads us, and how it shows us what we hold in common. And that solidarity, Gay continues, that connection with other people, incites further joy, which might incite further solidarity, and on and on it goes. My hunch, Gay writes, is that joy, emerging from our common sorrow, which does not necessarily mean that we have the same sorrows, but that we in common sorrow. Joy emerging from sorrow might draw us together. Joy, he says, might depolarize us and deatomize us enough that we can consider what in common we love. As we share our struggles and our joys together, as we share our experiences, Hard as they may be, we uncover deeper connections with each other. And as we experience those deeper connections, our joy expands. Or to say it another way, joy helps us to feel more connected to our neighbors. And our connectedness gives us more capacity to love and to support each other, to experience joy. In her book, Atlas of the Heart, Social researcher Brené Brown defines joy as an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection. There's that word again, connection, pleasure, and appreciation. Joy, she says, is characterized by a connection with others, or with God, or with nature, or with the universe. Connection, she says, is fundamental to welcoming and experiencing joy. Connections with ourselves, and with God, and with the supremely good creation that surrounds us all the time. And yet, unfortunately, both statistically and through our own lived experiences, we know that many of us and our neighbors are far less connected now than they used to be and than they need to be, far more isolated and secluded from one another. I've mentioned it before in our worship services, but back at the beginning of May of this year, our US Surgeon General issued an advisory a health advisory in response to our nation's growing epidemic of loneliness and isolation. According to some of the research included in that health advisory, our average time spent connecting with friends has decreased just over the last 20 years from about one hour per day spent with other friends to less than 20 minutes per day now. Connecting with persons other than our friends has decreased again just over the past 20 years from just under an hour per day to a little more than half that time today. And there's lots of evidence indicating that for all age groups, this isn't just a young people problem, for all age groups, newer technologies are not wholly responsible, of course, but certainly, certainly play a significant role in our disconnection from one another. There are positive aspects of social media, of course, of every kind, providing opportunities to stay in touch with friends and family across distance, offering alternatives to connect for folks with limited mobility, creating essential opportunities to find and to form community, especially among those from marginalized groups. And yet all these options also can displace 
in-person engagement. They can monopolize our attention and reduce the quality of our interactions and diminish our self-esteem. And these effects contribute to greater loneliness and disconnection. In one recent US-based study, participants who reported that they used social media for more than two hours per day had about double the odds of report reporting feeling lonely or isolated compared to those who use social media for less than 30 minutes per day. And whether that's because using social media causes us to feel more isolated, or on the other hand, because folks who are feeling more isolated seek connection through social media usage, either way, it's clear that connecting with people through technology clearly is not meeting our basic need. We are made for relationships, person-to-person -person relationships, relationships that provide meaning and purpose and motivation. We need to connect person-to-person. -person. Our connections help us to navigate and survive weariness and pain. In the image of God, we are made to care for each other, to be generous toward each other, to share each other's burdens in ways that we can only do when we're with each other. When we're unable to interact, we shrivel inward upon ourselves. We depend on each other to be fully who we are. It's through our connections, person to person, that we open to receive the joy God longs to give us. If you are setting out to be joyful, you're not going to end up being joyful, said Desmond Tutu in the appropriately named Book of Joy. You're going to find yourself turned in on yourself, he said. It's like a flower. You open, you blossom, really because of other people. So often we will find joy is the result of seeking to give joy to others. It's what emerges as we care for each other and connect with each other and hold out joy for one another. It's what Elizabeth and Mary do for each other in today's gospel story. Mutually, they each receive joy and give joy. They share joy in their season of weariness and threat through their connection. Their story opens today immediately after the visit of God's messenger to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. Elizabeth and Zechariah have desired to have children for many years and yet have been unable to do so. Now they are old. We don't know how old, but apparently they are beyond typical childbearing years. And yet now, suddenly, surprisingly, we might say literally inconceivably, Elizabeth finds herself pregnant. But as the story begins today, we find her in hiding. For five months, she stays secluded, we are told. She keeps to herself. She conceals herself from others. Until, suddenly, surprisingly, Mary arrives at her door, also, quite impossibly, pregnant. Mary's arrival seems to be the inbreaking that changes everything for Elizabeth, that opens her, in her weariness, to receive not only this unexpected pregnancy, but joy as well. Because in that very moment when Mary walks through her door, in that moment of connection, person to person, Elizabeth's child leaps for joy in her womb. She is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cannot help but rejoice. I've always loved the translation that we read in today's reading. With a loud voice, we are told, she blurted it out. Her joy took hold of her, demanded to be shared. And her joy became contagious 
filling both of them with rejoicing. Whenever I read their story, the story of Elizabeth and Mary, I'm always reminded of a Christmas pageant in another congregation some years ago. We had, as I recall, children and youth and adults all participating together across ages. I don't think there were any speaking parts in this pageant. We simply read through the nativity story and different individuals dressed in costumes of different characters entered and then moved as the story suggested they do. What I remember most clearly though is not the pageant itself, but this little moment, it couldn't have been more than a couple of minutes during some break in the rehearsal when I noticed two people sitting together on a pew and they were just talking and listening and clearly delighting in the presence of each other. One I think was maybe in the fifth or sixth grade at the time, she was the one portraying Mary in the story. The other one was in her early 80s and she was the one portraying Elizabeth in the story. It was absolutely perfect to see the two of them connecting in this way. And I just stopped and, and watched the joy being shared between them, just like Mary and Elizabeth before them. The story is so simple and yet so powerful, so life and world transforming. The very simple power of two people connecting, a meeting of hidden joys. Joy like an ember leading to solidarity, and that solidarity, that connecting, leading to greater joy. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak compassionately to each other, connect with one another, proclaiming that our warfare has ended. By God's grace, by the ways that we connect, simply, person to person, beloved child of God to beloved child of God, may it be so. In our weariness, amid our grief and our sorrow and our fear and our violence and our anxiety, may we accompany one another. May we share joy with one another. May we do whatever we can to ensure that none of us ever has to go it alone. As we continue to wait and pray our Advent prayer, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.